everybody. Welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. This is part 57 in our 3,726 part series wherein we choose a movie completely at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do some research, and tell you what we thought and learned. That's right. And uh, we have one rule that we must abide by for certain. They're the ones. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as, as long as the movie we select is one that we neither of us have seen, we are obligated and honor bound to watch it. Uh, and there's a couple of exceptions, which we'll get into if the, the need arises, or you can take a look at our website. But uh, other than that, we're forced to watch whatever we select. Yeah. Broaden our horizons. Theoretically, yeah. I don't know how much my horizons have been broadened. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. So this week it is Tara's turn to pick. It is. And... Shall we just do it? Yeah, I'll start flipping through the book here. You let me know when to stop. Stop. Okay. So, you have selected a movie from 1965, French movie, Les Bonheurs. Not sure if that's the right pronunciation. It's been a while since I took any French lessons, so something like that. Um, but yeah, 1965. And what the guide says is the lone woman of the French New Wave Boys Club, Varda, referring to the director, came from a, a very different tradition from her Cahier spawned brethren, a world of art and photography. Those inspirations come to the fore in the lush, impossibly idyllic world of her controversial Les Bonheurs, a lovely tale of a tragic love triangle. The matter-of-fact double life of a young carpenter with a f- wife and family who takes a mistress on the side is told with a cool distance, quite a change from the warm immediacy of Cleo from 5 to 7. Filled with flash cuts, out-of-focus portraits, and visual word plays, it's like an impressionist painting come to life with playful new wave style. A sun-drenched Eden where even tragedy is transformed into a happy ending. Huh, interesting. Yeah, have not heard of it, and I'm pretty much unfamiliar with French New Wave. Although, is Truffaut New Wave? I don't know. Sounds like it'll be really beautiful to look at. Yeah, and uh, given that it's, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with French New Wave. Not, not terribly. Not terribly. Yeah. So speaking of broadening our horizons, uh, we will apparently be doing that. Kind of don't have much else to, to say in terms of calibration. So, Except to say, you know, we don't really know exactly what we're in for. You know, we hear a lot about New Wave, but... Like Devo? <laughs> French New Wave French. cinema. Let me be very specific. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you definitely hear the term bandied around by people in cinema. <laughs> but... We're obviously very, very amateur movie watchers. <laughs> I'm a professional movie watcher, but I'm, I'm not good at uh, critiquing necessarily. Uh, so, so yeah, I I can't tell you if I've seen any new wave, so it'll be interesting. We will give this a shot because <laughs> that's the entire premise of the yeah, podcast. We, we must. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll be back with our thoughts and opinions on Le Bonheur after this brief musical interlude.
Hey, we're back. We have watched Les Bonheur, and uh, <laughs> I feel like we, we don't have a whole lot of uh, anything much to to lead into the rating. How much has your happiness increased by watching the movie Happiness? Yeah. Man, what is it with movies uh, named Happiness? They all seem Ooh, to be boy. pretty ironically I'm titled. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> not, to, not to spill the beans too early uh, around the, the plot of this, but yeah. Just like it a, is the most lovely little... I mean, I think seeing that... Um, nah, I don't want to spill the beans about some stuff, but... The filmmaker's intention, I think, it you know, really comes through in terms of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really say anything right now. That okay. okay. Uh, we'll just say that it's ironically titled yes. Happiness and kind of leave it at that. For the moment, yes. We'll kind talk, of. A, we'll, we'll come back to that. I mean, we'll definitely touch on what I want to say. Francois seems pretty happy, to be fair. To the uh, the titling. Well, yeah. Movie. So exactly. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so let, let us uh, let us get into our rating. We have a five point scale that we use, um, ranging from don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh, to maybe watch, and then uh, the the high point of our scale uh, don't not watch. And so, do you have a rating in mind? I do. Okay. Do you? I do. So, on the count of three, we shall reveal our readings simultaneously. One, two, three. Maybe, Maybe watch. watch. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... First of all, it's a really nice-looking movie. It's like, beautiful. It's just like... They, they did a restoration of it, um, because apparently the, the original Eastman negatives were... Really washed out, and it looked all pink and beige, according to Andres Varda, and um, and that is not the case with the Criterion release of the movie. It is very vibrant and beautiful. Yeah, if you wanted to see summer, like the best parts of summer. Yeah, not talking about like horrible heat waves and all that. <laughs> We're not big summer people. No, we are not in this podcast. We're and the minority, I think, of the population with that. Yeah, blows. I'm sorry. Summer blows. Yeah. Um, um, but get rid like, of it. This oh. movie makes it look appealing. Yeah. Is more what I want to say. Like, yeah. it's it takes the best bits where it's just like you know this beautiful, lush forest with all the all these explosion of nature and like just blossoming all around and um, just the idea of having a picnic and and being happy. That part of it, sure. It makes it very appealing to to watch. Yeah, but I know that if we were outside in that environment, I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my video games are going unplayed. Oh no, look at this spider. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> There's yeah. a spider walking by. Yeah. Everybody, look, it's a spider. Here it comes. Here it comes, there it goes. Yeah. So, yeah. The fact that it's appealing to us, uh, given our, our tendencies to not like summer that much, uh, really speaks towards... How good looking a movie that is. And yeah. Not just the color, it's just the way that it's shot, too. Oh, yeah. Although there are, there are definite points that directly contradict this. It has an idyllic feel to it. And then there are parts that are not quite so idyllic uh, that we'll, we'll be discussing here shortly. With that being said, maybe we should just stop beating around the bush. <laughs> we'll just and get into get it. Into it. Yeah. So we are introduced to Francois... Um, 
Therese and their two children. They're uh, a, a small family living outside Paris in a little suburb. And uh, they're kind of walking off, having a picnic in the woods and just sort of having a really nice day. Kids taking a, a little nap in their little tent. It's a very peaceful, beautiful scene. So we follow him around and he, uh, Francois is a carpenter and he works at his uncle's shop. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of time spent him sort of working on wood. And then you see Therese is a seamstress and she makes dresses and people go to her with like an image like, oh, I want a, a wedding dress that looks like this. And she'll be able to recreate it and is also taking care of the kids. And, and that makes up about the first... 35 to 40 minutes of the movie is Pretty just much. like kind of setting that that groundwork yeah um up showing their their daily lives slice of life stuff um you know it's a really idyllic i don't know how i can even like further emphasize that but just the the idea of like oh i go work in this wood shop and then i ride my bicycle home through this quaint town and and there's my family and we you know we have this small home but we're all very happy and we don't want for anything. Right. They're attentive to one another. There's not any... There's no conflict. Right. You just, you know, if the shoe is going to drop. Yeah, exactly. So so the shoe starts to drop while Francois is off working this job. He's in a, a different town. He stops at the post office on the way to go use the phone there. And uh, he kind of has this flirtation with the this woman, Emily, who's working at the uh, post office and she's the one who he, he pays or whatever. And so like he goes into the phone booth and you can see them sort of eyeing each other and smiling while he's talking on the phone, comes back out and Francois mentions where he, he lives and uh, Emily's like, Oh, well I'm going to be moving there. So it's like, Oh, well, 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 that's a delightful little treat to know. So Francois goes off and he's, you know, working on his, his thing. And then he comes back to the post office again and there's even more flirting, and uh, Francois is like, well, you know what, uh, want to go get some coffee? And so they're out having coffee and flirting and having conversation, and he uh, accidentally <laughs> sort of starts saying that he loves her. Yeah, like, very <laughs> like, quote, quotation marks around accidentally yeah. there. He just kind of, like, blurts it out, like, oh, I love you, Emily. And I think, he doesn't even know her, or he... No! He just he finds just her name. He just learned her name. They just... So they had all this this flirtation, and they don't know each other's names until they're at the coffee shop. Yeah. But, but he loves her. He loves her. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say is she looks an awful lot like his wife. Maybe with shorter hair, but they're both blonde, big-eyed... He's, he's got a type. He's got a type. He's got a type. And uh, so it's interesting. You don't see the motivation. You don't, there's no commentary. There's no, you're just watching this thing unfold. In some ways, it's it's hard because you can have your own interpretation of like, what's going on? What's he thinking? Like, why is... There, like, the, the only even tip-off to much of anything is when they're at, at the cafe mm-hmm. and the camera, like, cuts to shots of signs that are, like, mystery or love oh, or whatever. Yeah, it's like, exactly. all right, that's a little on the nose. It's maybe. a little on the nose, yes. Um, just quickly cutting to these signs yeah. and then cutting back to, to the two of them. Right, right, right. Um, so it's just like, ooh, she... Not only is there familiarity because she looks like my wife, but also she's not my wife. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of... 
basically all there is to it. Like, apparently, like, there's this physical attraction. Yeah. So, <laughs> Francois falls immediately in love with a woman after meeting her. Boom. That's it. Yeah. I have a family, and I'm incredibly happy with them. But you know what? I want you too. There's a scene when they they, they start doing it. We'll just uh, get yeah. that out of the way. Um, They're going uh, trawling out in the ocean for for fish um, and bringing home catches and and uh, well, I think you, fisher people. You, you had a, a different. Uh, euf- I mean, that's a fine euphemism for, <laughs> for sex, but uh, you, you came up with oh, a, yeah. a better euphemism. You wanna <laughs> you wanna uh, say what that was? Oh 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 oh! Clearing the cobwebs. Yeah, he's yeah. He's clearing her cobwebs. I, I didn't make that euphemism up. That's oh, an existing euphemism. Yeah. I should have <laughs> News to me, so... And, well, news to Andrew, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I've never news seen flash. that euphemism. I mean, I guess... Andrew maybe... was not familiar with euphemism clearing the cobwebs. Yeah. So, uh, that's what I, I made a joke, like, uh, Emily's her cobwebs cleared. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and she's telling him... Uh, well, it was really... She she said that she had a shelf that she put it up. Right. Yeah, that all line. Like, yeah, oh. that all line. Can you, can you please raise this shelf for me? Right. Weak. And so he's, he's clearing out her cobwebs, and he tells her, you know, I'm still in love with my wife and my family. I'm not going to leave them for uh, you. Well, it's after she she says, well, you know, you're not the only one. I'm not looking for anything from you right. from, like, what we're doing now. Yeah, so basically. they're they're kind of on the same page, that it's not anything, nothing serious is going to develop from it necessarily. And they're, they're happy with how... Things are with their situation of, of fucking. Um, and things progress like this for a little while. And there's a, a scene, just like a throwaway scene almost, although it's not obviously a throwaway scene because um, they've included it in the movie. But it's just like such a slight thing where Francois is crossing the street and he sees somebody who has a baguette and he just like takes a piece of the baguette yes. and then starts eating it. And it's like, oh, that's so indicative of his character. That, that just, is like, completely him. Like, oh, I want this and uh, I will just take it and that's it. And that's just like that. Whether or not I should be taking a bite of this baguette, I'm just going to go ahead and grab it because I want it. Yep. Um, and, and that's that. So that really, it, it sums up his character yeah. pretty concisely just in that one Six second shot, but uh, this carries on for a while. They're meeting up in in secret and having sex, and then eventually he's going on a picnic with Therese and the kids, and she's like, "You seem really happy lately. What uh, what's going on?" And he's hemming and hawing, like, "Oh, I don't know if I should tell you. I don't want you to be upset." Well, it's and it's kind of like he's like, "You make me happy." You know, like, I can have happiness, and it just, there's happiness to share, and it makes even more happiness. Yeah, it's just this line of utter bullshit that he's using to try to soften the blow, and talking about it's like how if he was hugging her, and he had a bunch of arms, and he was hugging her, and then he found out that he had more arms, and he could hug other people as well, and it'd be fine, because he was still hugging her, and trying to justify it so, so bad before he eventually comes out and tells her that he's been... Having sex with Emily, and um, and she seems kind of, to take it okay. Yeah, she seems to take it in stride, and she wants to have sex with them, and they do, and he falls asleep, and then he wakes up, and the kids are calling for Therese, and he's like, "Oh, where did she go? I don't see her around." And he's walking around this park that they are picnicking in, talking to the people there, like, "Have you seen 
this woman. And it's so weird the way that I thought he's that he was describing her. Yeah. yeah. Just at first he's like, have you seen this woman? And she's wearing a blue and yellow dress. And then he's just going up to people talking about her dress color, not talking about blue her and yellow. at all. Have you seen? Have yeah. Have you seen it? Right. And it's just like, God, he's depersonalizing her. Yes. Um, even in this moment of crisis. Crisis. Yeah. Uh, so he's a shitbag. Um, Obviously, if that's not already been made clear. And so he's going around the park. He's asking people if they'd seen her. And people are like, oh, yeah, I saw her pass by here a half hour ago or whatever. And eventually he's walking around and he dumps his kids with just like some random lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, which great parenting also. And he stops and notices that there are these, I guess, fishermen pulling mm-hmm. Uh, pulling something out of the lake, and it is, uh, it's Therese. Yeah. She is dead. She had, had drowned, and it's not entirely clear. Accidental how, or on right. purpose? There's, like, these brief, brief shots of her struggling in the water, reaching out and asking for help, but it's no way to know if that's just what Francois wants to imagine is the case. Like, she didn't do it intentionally, or if it is actually what had happened, so it's it's pretty ambiguous. Uh, but she is dead. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's... He just kind of caresses her corpse. Yeah. There's, like, this scene of him just, like, holding her corpse and, like, rubbing his face against her face. Not crying. He's no. just rubbing his face against hers. Right. So that kind of leads into the conclusion of the movie where we see the funeral being held briefly and then him... At a cafe with his family and their their friends, and they're talking about if um, if they should take over raising the kids for him and stuff. And it's like, wow, he's just getting off scot free. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And Teresa's parents they want to take the children in, and he's immediately like, no, that would be too far away from me. So he instead like has his brother take the kids, and he's not crying again. He's not yeah. showing any real. Deep sadness over losing Therese. So kind of weird. Everybody grieves differently, obviously, yes. but it doesn't seem like he's grieving really at all. Um, right. As you'll, as you'll kind of get to. Yeah, I guess uh, next we see this happening, and then it, it is not too long, it seems like, before he is checking back in with Emily. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I would like to be with you and um what do you think of my kids and she's like oh they're very pretty and it's like oh that's uh that's a non non non-answer basically anyway um so she decides that she does want to be with him and it's just such a big thing to take on all of a sudden like oh oh she just steps right into the family yeah yeah and and the kids are young enough to where maybe it's not as I don't know. I mean, I'm not... Right. We the... Yeah, we, we don't really see the kids a whole lot. But they seem fine, is what I will say. Right. Just what, what, how, how they're shown. There's there's yeah. no time really given to yeah. the, the whole process of her joining the family. So we have no idea of... What I will say on this whole thing is, like, the time frame we're talking about. Emily moves to the same town that Francois and Therese and the kids live in at the beginning of July. And it's at the end of July that shit goes down and Therese finds out about Emily and she dies. 
And then it was like, okay, so the, the whole thing of the month of August, essentially France is shut down. Everybody goes and has a vacation pretty, for the most part, for the month of August. And so it was like, after Trez died... Francois and Emily talk about, okay, what are our August plans? She's going to go somewhere for the month and he's going to be out in the country or whatever. And that's when the kids are with his brother. And then they meet up again and they're living together and it's like fall. It basically is like the beginning of fall. Yeah. So So we're talking like a two month time span for this whole movie for the most part. Pretty quick turnaround time there. And, you know... Like I said, people grieve how they're going to grieve, and it just seems no. We don't. We're not trying to fast. put any. Yeah, we're not trying to put any moral judgment on how people grieve. Don't want it to come across that way. Yeah, but. or and it's not like you know, if if your spouse dies, you need to be on your own for any like, like predetermined amount of for time, like years, and- right? But uh, given what we know of Francois, prior to all this happening. It's hard not to pass judgment on how oh. quickly he turns this oh, around. Oh, and let me let me go back to when they start fucking. So after Francois and Emily have sex for the first time, he makes a comment about how she's like very free, mm-hmm. like her her style, and he compares her with Therese, and he says Therese is very like sweet and just kind of like submissive, whereas he likes Emily's not quite like that. She's different. In terms of how, how they have sex. And he, he makes the comment that if he had met Emily first, he loves Therese yeah. and he's very happy with her. <laughs> but if he'd met Emily first, she would be the one he'd be married to. Yeah. So all this kind of adds up to <laughs> not painting a very favorable picture of right. Francois. And so the movie kind of ends with... Again, it's kind of like the mirror image of the beginning mm-hmm, of the movie where exactly. you see Therese and and Francois and the kids are walking through the park to go have their picnic. And it's kind of like the same thing with this time Francois and Emily and the kids having this picnic out in the countryside, except it's fall. That's like the difference. Yeah. And Francois and Emily are wearing similarly colored clothes. And the oh, kids yeah. Are like wearing, mustard and yeah, mustard sweaters. Kids and, are wearing red jackets or whatever and they're kind of bookending yeah. the two of them on either side and so it's just like this image and then they all of the music in the movie is, is what's our yeah pretty much um and so previously you know the, most of the music was relatively appropriate to what's happening upbeat or whatever mm-hmm. uh but in this final scene of them on this picnic it's it's kind of it's, i don't want to say ominous but it, it's it's a unpleasant. little yeah it's a little unpleasant it, it does not jarring right right it doesn't mesh with the scene right visually yeah so there's a message there yeah and and that's it for the movie is <laughs> that that last scene with uh, emily and francois and the two kids off on this picnic in the fall the end. The end. Again, I, I don't put any moral judgment on people who are in multiple relationships or are in relationships no. with multiple people at the same time. Right. That That is not the point here where I'm, I'm, I'm not outraged the idea of somebody, you in know, loving two people. Polyamorous relationship. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if you're both on the same page. Exactly. That's the, th- that's the problem. Totally fine. Yep. But uh, she wasn't, like... Therese was definitely not on the same page. No. And, yeah. This quote that you you have of Agnes Varda shortly after the movie's release, comparing it to a beautiful summer fruit with a warm inside, like, that is so appropriate. It's, like, the best descriptor of this movie. Right. 
And I kept wanting to say that at the beginning. That's where I was like really yeah hawing is yeah. like I really wanted to be like <laughs> as she says. Yeah, it's 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 like so dead on. I think that that's mostly it. The uh, in terms of plot and stuff. Yeah, in terms of the the goings on in the movie. Yeah, I think so. Um. So the the, the movie was released in 1963, and for it to be as ambiguous as it is, is, is pretty ballsy, I would say. Um, just the fact that it's depicting this, and then not coming down on Francois. And I don't know if there is, like, because of cultural differences, like, we're obviously coming at this at, from an American perspective. I am not well-versed enough, I think, in, in French cinema at this time to say one way or the other. In terms of the subject matter, like how how out there this was, but I agree. It, it's even now. It's still like the fact that it really doesn't make any kind of judgment. Yeah, has any kind of judgment on Francois at all. Aside. Well, outwardly, yeah, you'd have to kind of really. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like pretty much any other movie at the yeah. time would have had some scene where Therese is upset with them and. Like, I, I can easily see yeah. other movies being much more heavy-handed with that. And instead, she just kind of internalizes That's true. it. And, yeah, so... She says at that point, like, we're gonna make love one last time, and then I'm just gonna peace out. Yeah. So, I guess the the one thing that I thought was pretty interesting is that uh, Francois and, and Therese were actually... Married in real life, and the kids in the movie are their real life kids. So yeah, and they're still married apparently. Yeah, I could. Could you imagine playing that movie together? Yeah, uh, and that was the only movie that his wife was in. Right. So it just yeah. Talk about like this the strength and like the strength in your relationship. I think because like the idea of you playing this couple, you're a real life couple, and you're playing this couple where this happens like. Damn. Yeah, like a happy couple, yes. ostensibly, considering they're still married now. Playing a happy couple in a movie where the husband cheats on his wife, it's just... I mean, I think that really shows that, that chemistry between them. It, it's genuine. Yeah. So, I think the only other thing that uh, I thought was worthy of, of mentioning, that I deemed worthy... <laughs> my, my... <laughs> <laughs> Andrew is a man. Yes. He's worthy. Yes, please. No. <laughs> uh, anything else? Not important. Just what what I say is what we should, <laughs> we should know about this movie. But um, Anya's Varda, like she really was in a lot of ways. Not even in a lot of ways. She was the kind of originator of the French New Wave movement of of cinema. Um, her first movie that she made back in 1954, which uh, was called La Pointe Court, was a movie that predated most of the rest of the French New Wave cinema, uh, which is largely considered to have begun in, I think, 1958. But her, her first movie, La Pointe Court, really had a lot of the same stylistic editing and, and narrative decisions that would go on to define that movement of cinema, and she really doesn't get much credit for it, which is bullshit. Like, anytime yeah. you look up French New Wave cinema, it's, it's always... It's always the men. Yeah, it's, it's listed as 1958 is when uh -huh. it began. And, uh -huh. and yeah, maybe there weren't really any other similar movies between her movie and when they started releasing more in this style in 1958, but I think 
you can still list her movie as the origin of this movement. I think it's it's fine, even if it didn't go into like full force. Well, who's to say that the the movies that came out in '58, like that, those filmmakers hadn't seen La Pointe Court and weren't directly influenced by it, and they're like, you know what, this is a great idea. I think um, I can't remember if she was working on the same magazine, but a lot of the directors like Truffaut and um, Romare, who are well associated with with the movement um, when it began, oh, Godard. Quote unquote, Godard, yeah, uh, they they all worked for a cinema magazine together, and I'm trying to see if she also had worked for it. Yeah, I don't think she she did because she started off as a photographer. And that was, like, she didn't really have anything to do with film. She wasn't, like, familiar with... That's what she claimed, yeah. She claimed that when she made her first movie, she hadn't seen really hardly any other films. And a lot of people were like, well, okay, but it does have a lot of elements from these other movies. I think later she said that she had seen maybe 20 films before she'd made her own movie, so... There are some claims that she's more tied to the left bank cinema movement because that was like a more experimental style of filmmaking than New Wave. I don't know. So she was kind of involved with um, the magazine a little bit, or at least she knew a lot of the people. She yeah. met a lot of the people that were involved with it. Uh, the, the magazine was Cahiers du Cinema. Um, she, I don't know that it doesn't, from what I'm finding here, it's not clear if she contributed to it or not but she knew a lot of the people who who worked in the magazine and who later would go on to uh make a lot of uh movies in in the movement it seems like she you know unsurprisingly being the only woman associated with this style of movie making she's getting kind of the short shrift um yeah and so it's kind of kind of bullshit that she doesn't get more recognition like the uh, what i'd seen Referenced is that people are saying like, oh, it's debated whether or not her, her movie was the first of the French New Wave. I don't think it's really all that debatable. I think you can just go ahead and say that she did. So there you go. Yep. Calling it. Calling Market. it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of all we had, I think, for Les Bonheur. But now that we've finished talking about that, we would like to talk about something else that we have been watching and rewatching. And so let's so let's do a seamless transition into talking about Patty Harrison, the person, the person, the wonderful comedian and writer and everything actress. Yeah, so she's uh, very funny. She's a, a trans lady, and she's a comedian who has been in a lot of stuff, and it, it's. We probably had seen her in Shrill originally. Yeah. But it, she's she's been in a lot of stuff, and I think we first really appreciated how great she is um, with her her sketch in Tim Robinson's Netflix sketch show, I Think You Should Leave, which we have talked about previously, and how, how fantastic it is. And she has, I think, what is probably the best sketch in the entire series, and it's kind of underappreciated. It's a very nice printer, Tracy. Just make sure no one copies their rear end, eh? <laughs> oh, that naughty old elf must be one mean bastard to give us this so early. What? Did I stutter, Megan? Santa Claus. Okay, it looks like the printer's gotten everyone a little too excited. Of course it did. 
Santa himself brought this here early with Rudolph, and now it's causing a fight. He just has a really great way of putting inflections on words. She's just like so sharp and funny and has this kind of great mean attitude, although you can, you know. Yeah. It's, she can be real, make these really cutting and biting comments in just like the best, funniest way. Yeah. And, and it's never like a shithead punching down. There's a series of videos that she did that are on YouTube called Conversation Therapy, where she talks to other trans people. Do you think dating is different for trans people than it is for cis people? Yeah. Like, what do you got in your pants? You not one of those? I had to teach it to a kid the other day. With, kind of did the kids say it like that? They're like, do you have, a, you got do you have a, do you have a penis or a vagina? And I was like, you're in third grade, and I have not had this conversation with a lot of people, let alone a third grader. You shouldn't be afraid to ask. Just be thoughtful about the way that you ask. Exactly. If you ask someone, like, how do you want to be treated? They're not going to be like, how dare you? Well, you probably would, because sometimes you're a shit. I'm a shit. <laughs> I'll mace you if you ask me a question. <laughs> you probably would. But I'll mace you if you don't. So that's kind of a good starting off point. She, I think she kind of started getting more notice when she did some something on Jimmy Fallon when Trump was trying to institute the ban on uh, trans members yeah. in the military. And so that, that's fine. I mean, it's like pretty much everything associated with Jimmy Fallon. It's funny in a inoffensive kind of way. And so we'll, we'll link to some of the conversation therapy episodes in the show notes. She's she's the she's best. She's so good. She's incredibly funny. And you should check her out. Yep. So I'd uh, like to say thank you to Boat for allowing us to use their fabulous song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Uh, thank you, Boat. Check out their new album, Tread Lightly. Thank you, Boat. Uh, we would like to encourage our listeners to check out their local video stores and support them. Uh, Seattle has Scarecrow Video. They are the best. They are doing this really cool thing. I don't know if it's over now where they're sort of curating a selection of five movies. Five to ten. Five yeah. Five to ten movies. It's a grab bag, basically, of movies that they will send you. And uh, you just you answer a brief questionnaire and send them a donation. $50 for five movies or $100 for ten. And they will kind of cater a grab bag of, of movies that they'll send to you uh, based off of your answers to the survey. So, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for grab bags, so like I was compelled to do it, but it, it's, yeah. it's a pretty fun thing to do. If, if you are able to send them some money, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, finally, if you want to keep up to date with our episode releases, you can always follow our Facebook group, Tara and Andrew Versus, or check out our website, TaraAndrewVerses.com. If you have any comments, uh, please feel free to shoot us an email at terranandrewverses at gmail.com. And you can also keep tabs of our Instagram page where we'll post updates about releases and, and stuff. Uh, again, Terranandrewverses there as well. Yeah. So I, I guess that's it for this episode. Yeah, I guess that wraps it up. And uh, until next time, catch, catch you, you later, later, potato, potato heads. heads.